You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Well, thank you so much for having me. As uh, Pastor Sheck said, I'm Pastor Andrew Fetter. I am a called LCMS missionary and theological educator to Ukraine. And it's so nice because before that call, I was in Southern California where I had to preach with the mask, even if it was 100 degrees. So thank you for having me here where I can preach without a mask and have a plexiglass screen. I appreciate it. Grace, mercy, and peace be to all of you. From God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When you're going through your Bible readings or studies, or even when you're sitting on the pews and you're hearing the different texts read, do you ever come to a part of the Bible that you don't understand? Let me rephrase that. Which parts of the Bible do you come to <laughs> that you don't understand? You know, the Bible is full of deep riches, and one of the things I love about it is you can read the same passage a hundred times and you just get more and more out of it. But sometimes we don't always understand at first. Case in point, today's gospel reading, the baptism of Jesus. You know, whenever this reading comes up, whether it's in a sermon or catechism or a Bible study, I always get the same question. I'm pretty sure it's probably true for your pastor, too. Pastor, if Jesus didn't have sins, why did he need to be baptized? Pastor, if Jesus was already a son of God, quite literally the son of God, why did he have to be baptized? Have you ever had that question? Well, if you have, you're in pretty good company. Take heart. Now, our reading today is in Mark, but over in Matthew, we hear John the Baptist, Jesus' own cousin, give that same question. He says to his cousin Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And on the surface, it can seem confusing. But we have to remember that the Lord does everything that's recorded in Scripture for a purpose. And so if Jesus is not getting baptized to remove sins or to come into the kingdom, what was the purpose of Jesus' baptism. You know, when we ponder this question, I think one of our first instincts, or at least it used to be mine, was to think, well, Jesus is getting baptized to keep the law perfectly. He's fulfilling all righteousness, right? But the thing is, there's no Levitical law. There's no Old Testament law concerning this baptism. And what's more, if we say that Jesus is submitting to a new law, well, then guess what? We've just made baptism part of the law. We've turned baptism, this beautiful, gracious gift of God, into something that we must do ourselves. It's no longer God's action. It becomes ours if it's part of the law that we have to do. So that kind of thinking that Jesus is baptized to fulfill the law 
To make it a law, well, that's kind of a dead end. So what is Jesus doing on the banks of that teeny tiny little creek that we call the Jordan River? Well, he is standing in the place of sinners like you and me. And he is fulfilling all righteousness for us. Jesus is down on the banks of the Jordan River getting baptized for us. You see, the ministry of Jesus has two bookends. It starts with this reading, with his baptism down in the Jericho Valley in the River Jordan. Then eventually being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it will end up in Jerusalem, in the Galilean Heights, on Mount Calvary. And it's almost as if all of his saving works from the cross, all of the blood shed on Calvary, flows downstream to his baptism in the Jordan River. And so it is here today in our gospel reading, the River Jordan, that Jesus is inaugurating his great exchange. You see, in our baptism, yes, our sins are washed away, and they're washed away by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And all of the salvific action of our Lord, taken on our behalf, in his life, his passion, his death and resurrection, are given to us. But not so with Jesus. Not at his baptism. After all, he's not being baptized to remove his sins. He has none. Instead, he's taking upon himself our sins. The sins of all mankind. And that's what this great exchange is. But Jesus stands in the place of sinners like you and I so that he can make us stand in his righteous place. And the amazing thing about it is that even though he takes upon him sins upon us, upon himself, <laughs> the sins of the whole world, he's not crushed by them, not yet. And he remains innocent. He perfectly keeps the law even after this for us. You know, right after this reading, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And this 40-day journey in the wilderness, it parallels Israel's 40-year wandering in the wilderness. And Jesus is making a fresh start. But this time, he's not going to muck it up the way the people of Israel did or the way you and I do. You know, compared to Jesus, we're small fries. We're small potatoes. And yet we all know how much the devil and his minions seek to tempt us, to catch us in a snare of sin. And if he tries that hard for you and I, practical nobodies, you better believe he threw out all the stops to tempt Jesus. And there he was in the desert. Standing in our place. Being tempted by the full onslaught of the devil in hell. But Jesus would not give in. Does that sound like you when you're tempted? 
doesn't sound like me. We give in. We fail. We who have been baptized, we who have the Holy Spirit, we who have been enlightened and know better. How often do we give in to that temptation? How often are we led astray by Satan or our fallen nature as if there's a ring in our nose and we're being led around? How often alongside St. Paul do we say, as he says in Romans seven nineteen, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil, I keep on doing that. We have wins, but we have a lot of times where we fall. But rest assured, brothers and sisters in Christ, rest assured that when you momentarily forget your baptism, when you stumble into sin, that your baptism is still effective. Our Lord's works of righteousness and obedience, His keeping of the law perfectly, still clings to us. Because Jesus stood in the place of sinners like you and me. And although he was tempted, he did not sin. And so, beloved in Christ, your baptism stands strong because it is not dependent upon you. It is upon, it is upon the very Son of God that it depends. And when you fail... Christ has already stood strong for you. When Christ was baptized, his perfection, his holiness, purified and sanctified the waters of your own baptism. But our gospel reading today, it inaugurates God's great exchange. And an exchange can't be one way, right? It's not give or take. You have to have both to be an exchange. And so Christ gave us in the waters of our own baptism his perfection, his obedience under the law. And in his baptism, he didn't have his sins washed away. No, instead, he took upon himself our sins. And those sins carry with them a very real consequence that must be dealt with. After all, God is a holy God. He is a God of righteous judgment. And his pronouncement upon sin is death. And in baptism, in this great exchange, our Lord couldn't just make sin disappear. Now for you and I, certainly our sin, our guilt, our eternal damnation and condemnation is removed in the waters of baptism. Don't think that I'm saying otherwise. But it's not like your sins were somehow washed down the drain or poured into the flower bed or whatever happened to your baptismal water. Baptism is more than just a mundane washing with a few flowery words sprinkled over it. And sin is more serious than some smudge of dirt to just be rinsed away. Right? We confess that baptism is a sacrament. That it is mystical in the sense that it is a very real, sacred mystery. When you were baptized, the eternal consequences of your sin 
God's just pronouncement of death was laid on Jesus. And in your baptism, Jesus became not just creation's scapegoat, he became your scapegoat too. He became your Passover lamb. And so to bring about God's good and gracious will, to bring about God's saving work to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus stood in the place of sinners. He stood in the place of you and me and every other Christian when he was crucified. You know, one of my favorite things about a crucifix, and I know some people don't like them, some people do. I love crucifixes because I get to see who's up there. When I look at the crucifix, I see that there is no room for you or I up there. Christ is already in my place. And I'm in his place free. And what an amazing gift that is. You know, if our sins had just been washed away, if we had simply escaped justice... We'd be like criminals on the run, like refugees from the law, always wondering when our crimes were going to catch up with us, wondering in the middle of the night when God would finally pay us back for our wickedness, when God would finally get us back for our murdering, for our theft, for our adultery, for our lying, for our covetousness. But the sentence for those crimes has already been carried out on Jesus Christ when he was crucified and died for you. He is in your place, and you are free. It's like the ending of A Tale of Two Cities. You get to walk away free. You get the prize. Because he stands in your place so that you can stay in his. And now your record's clean. Actually, that's not true. Your record is better than clean. Thanks be to God. Because now when the Father looks upon you who have been baptized, he sees only the works of Jesus. He sees no guilt. He sees no sin. Because your guilt and sin was placed upon Christ and was fulfilled when he hung upon the cross. When he looks at you, even after you stumble and fall and realize what you did, he doesn't see a lawbreaker, but a keeper of the law. All because Jesus stood strong for you in the face of sin and temptation. Because he kept the law perfectly and he gives you that perfection. The words of Jesus are true. It was necessary for him to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness, but to fulfill all righteousness for us. All because in our baptism, our Lord and Savior stood in our place to ensure that when we were baptized, we would stand in his. I love that line at the end of our reading today. He exchanges places with us so that when the Father looks down upon you from heaven, 
He can say of you, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Despite ourselves. Christ stands in the place of sinners like us so that we can stand in his place of righteousness and blessing. Alleluia and amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and we invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org. Thank you.